Sports. Happy to have you with us on this special edition of In the Red Zone from the RBA Sports Network. Rob with them along with you. Thanks so much for joining us as we try to make sense of everything that is going on right now in the crazy sports world. You know, we've been in the last couple of editions of the podcast going and talking about nationally and then regionally and then locally. We're going to do it the complete opposite this time due to, of course, Governor Ralph Northam's recently completed press conference as we record this on Thursday afternoon. And this is what we know at this hour. First of all, what were the new restrictions? Well, it's being called, quote, a modified stay-at-home order. This is the big news when it comes to what that entails. Then we'll break it down as to how it will affect what we believe uh, at the high school level as well as at the community sports level, too. So, number one. And this all takes effect Monday, December 14th at 12.01 a.m. Group meetings, gatherings, public, private, they were limited to 25 people. They will now be now down to 10. Back where we were, if you'll recall, under phase one back in the spring. So back down to 10. There will be a curfew nightly between midnight and 5 a.m. The only people who should be out between those hours are people who are either on duty, obviously doctors, nurses, uh, firemen, police officers, etc., etc., truck drivers who work and do overnight shifts, and, and those who are going to and from work. Other than that, everyone should be home. Masks. Masks, of course, need to be worn indoors at all times, and that's no change. The change now is, the governor is saying, that if you are outdoors and social distancing is not possible, you need to wear a mask. So there's the big change when it comes to facial coverings. In case you have not been following this, Wednesday saw the highest caseload in Virginia since the pandemic began. 4,398 cases. Now, the caseload went down a bit to 3,915 on this Thursday, and that was good news. The bad news, though, and we've talked about this since the summertime, watch the positivity rate, and it's gone up again, now hitting 11%. For perspective, and I know sometimes people hear the positivity rate, and they're going, well, of course it's higher because they're doing more tests. And From a mathematical standpoint, I understand that. From a common sense standpoint, I don't. Uh, You know, simply because, and I saw somebody put it perfectly on social media earlier this afternoon, if we didn't have any tests, then we wouldn't have any confirmed cases of COVID. But that would also be living in an alternative reality, which wasn't reality. So there needs to be more and more testing. So that's a good thing, okay? But you still have to look at the fact that the positivity rate has effectively doubled in the last 80, 90 days. Um, and could continue to go up as we now are in that window where the Thanksgiving holiday spike is now being shown. And now what the governor and and other state leaders across the country are trying to do at this particular point is mitigate or lessen the number of people who get together over Hanukkah, which begins at sundown Thursday night. Uh, Christmas, which is in two weeks, two weeks from today as we record, is Christmas Eve. And, of course, New Year's. Uh, if if people will just, uh, I don't want to not see my friends and 
you know, those sorts of things. We usually, as a family, make a New Year's trip down to my family in North Carolina. Uh, I haven't seen my family in North Carolina since July of 2019 uh, because of schedules with basketball and whatnot. We weren't able to make that trip last year. Boy, if I'd have known what was going to happen in 2020, we'd have made the trip somehow, some way. Uh, because obviously, uh, I haven't left the state of Virginia uh, in the year 2020. So it, it's that's just kind of the way that it is. If we can just hang in there for a little while, and then as the vaccine begins to arrive in Virginia, hopefully we'll begin to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But it's not going to be easy for a while. And I know that one, one official who is working with President-elect Biden's transition team, an expert on infectious diseases, uh, discussed the fact that that he believes that um, the worst of COVID will continue for approximately five to six months before we really see a dent and the the positive, long-term positive effects of the vaccine. Here's hoping that maybe he's incorrect and it'll be sooner than that, but it's all going to depend upon how the vaccines do, obviously, how quickly they can be administered. Uh, For those of you who haven't been following that, you know, the Pfizer vaccine, which was the first to be approved emergency-wise by the UK and may be approved by the US as early as the day we record this on Thursday, it's got to be stored at negative 94 degrees in order for it to stay Effective, And, of course, that's very difficult to do when you're talking about transporting large quantities and having to use dry ice, etc., etc. The Moderna vaccine, which is yet to be approved anywhere but is on the fast track, uh, doesn't have that limitation to it. So it can be more uh, produced and sent out quicker and in more mass quantity. So we, we, we take a look at all of that to help us understand where we are with the new modified stay-at-home order. Now, the governor went on to say in the press conference, and I will quote, this does not change anything about schools, colleges, or universities. Northam said that decisions on in-person and virtual learning will be made on the local level. Now, obviously, those local localities, those health districts, uh, the Chickahominy Health District, which, of course, Hanover County is a part of, you know, they've been studying the last several days, trying to make a decision, you know, if Hanover can continue with its hybrid model of in-person as well as virtual learning. Uh, Chesterfield obviously pulled the plug on the in-person part. Henrico was going to start it right after Thanksgiving, postponed it to January, and then also made the decision to pull the plug on winter sports. Winter sports in Hanover still on pause pending a final decision on what may happen with them come next Friday is when we have been heard, we have been told could come sooner than that but no later than next Friday the 18th of December which you know if they can do it even before that that would be good simply because the 18th wraps up school yeah, people are going into their two weeks obviously of a uh, uh, totally modified and totally different winter break uh, but you know kids have to know you know, am I going to be practicing? Am I not? If I'm not, then, you know, I've got to schedule myself to do what I'm going to do at my, at my house to condition, et cetera, et cetera. So what Governor Northam said today does not end anything specifically from a school standpoint, whether it's in-person hybrid learning or whether it is sports and activities. As for them, the governor said 25 people per field for indoor sports two guests per player for outdoor sports. 
He encouraged schools to find creative ways to do things such as move sports outdoors. He says, I know basketball is usually an indoor sport, but if you can move it outdoors and it's safer that way, consider that. Also hoping that jurisdictions have now gotten what they needed technologically wise to be able to offer live streams of games. And if we do have games, we here at the RVA Sports Network plan to broadcast Uh, We can't bring you video, but we can bring you audio of as many broadcasts as possible. And and that's going to be based on, you know, whether we're going to be able to get into. Uh, Media people are considered to be part of the participants, so we don't count against spectators. Um, But we all, as media members, especially those of us who may be a bit older and have some pre-existing conditions, have to take everything into account. and, And that includes our personal safety as well. But we are certainly hoping that we can make it such that we're going to be able to bring you as much action as possible if we're able to have that action take place. Now we, and I'm going to check something here very quickly on another screen on my laptop just to see if we have heard any official statements concerning uh, the governor's press conference tonight, or today, I should say, from either Vir- the Virginia High School League or the VISAA, and I don't see any that have come across my wire at this point. That does not mean uh, that that will not happen. But uh, uh, the the deadline or the, uh, uh, the, the, the end date at this point for this modified stay-at-home order, the governor said, Right now it's January 31st, and that's not set in stone. It, 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 you know, if we could quickly flatten the curve, maybe it ends sooner. Uh, if we don't, it may be extended into February. And that goes into the other portion of why we are bringing you this midweek edition of In the Red Zone. And that goes back to the news that came out yesterday from the Old Dominion Athletic Conference that the conference had made a decision on their spring football schedule for 2020. And here's how it will work. Each school will play four quote-unquote regular season games and then a fifth contest, which will uh, be based on how the teams end up in standings with those four games. Uh, The seven and eight seeds will play each other, the five and the six, the three and the four, and the teams that finish in the top two positions will play an ODAC championship game. Now, who does Randolph Macon play in their four-week cycle? Well, here's your schedule. It will begin on Friday, February 26th, when they host Guilford. So Guilford will make the trip from North Carolina up to Ashland. And that game will be on a Friday night, February the 26th. And you say, Friday, don't they usually play Saturday? Yeah, they usually play Saturday, but you also have to remember... Uh, that spring sports, hopefully, will also be underway in the ODAC conference and throughout Division Three, and thus it would become very difficult for football to try to get a Saturday date when day field could be used uh, for multiple lacrosse matches, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a modified schedule for soccer, and obviously they have the soccer field across the railroad tracks, but it's going to be the ODAC has just kind of looked at it and said, looks like things are going to be easier if we can play most of the games on Fridays. And three of the four scheduled right now in the regular season for Randolph-Macon are Friday night affairs. So Friday the 26th of February at home against Guilford. Then the defending ODAC champions Bridgewater come in the following Friday, March 5th. Then they'll have a bye week. They'll go to Shenandoah, so a trip to Winchester Friday, March 19th. 
and then they go to Farmville for the game against Hamden-Sydney. They were scheduled to go to Farmville in the fall of 2020, and that will be a Saturday game, March 27th. Now, they have not announced uh, start times for those games, but those are the four that the Yellow Jackets have lined up. And I want to take a minute to give you an idea Randolph-Macon will open on the 26th of February, again at home against Guilford. Bridgewater will not play that first weekend. So when they come to Randolph-Macon March 5th, it will be their opener. It will be Randolph-Macon's second game. That is a tremendous advantage. Then the Yellow Jackets will have that next weekend off, the, the 12th and 13th. In that week, uh, Hamden-Sydney will also be off. And the only game going on that final Saturday of the regular season is the Randolph-Macon-Hamden-Sydney game. The other three games scheduled that weekend, Emory and Hemery at Washington and Lee, Farum Guilford and Shenandoah Bridgewater, those all will take place on that Friday night, uh, the 26th. And then Friday, April the 2nd, will be the championship venues to be determined with all four of those games pitting the seven and eight seed the five and six the three and four and then the top two you would think the number one seed would have the home field advantage in a perfect world if things are better off from a from a standpoint of COVID-19 we'll just have to wait and see about that so we wanted to make this really quick and just give you the headlines as quickly as possible. We've had coaches texting us, asking us questions, and we're trying to provide all the information that we can as much as we know at this particular point. Here are the headlines on this very busy Thursday. Uh, and let me do this real quick. On top of that, and news of this may have broken by the time you get a chance to listen to our podcast, there will be a press conference held this evening uh, by the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference for what is being called, quote, a significant announcement related to the league. Now, it could be COVID-related, but let's also throw in the fact that um, in a pretty shocking development several months ago, CBS announced that they were not going to renew their SEC football contract, and I believe it runs through 2023. So there's a few more years of uh, Gary Danielson and uh, Brad Nessler on Saturday afternoons, but after that, CBS is going to drop the contract. Um, CBS has put their money in some new things here recently, including Champions League soccer. Uh, so is it possible that the SEC is going to announce a new television deal? Uh, it, it would be strange timing. You would think that what's going to happen has, has to do with the coronavirus and whether or not they're going to be able to successfully make it through the SEC championship and, and what are they going to do about basketball? Is it, you know, is it basketball related? Are they going to have a, a limited conference schedule? Who knows? And again, by the time you hear me talking about this, we probably already know what it's going to be anyway. But I say that simply to say there is news continuing to break every single day in every single sector, it seems, of sports. From Des Bryant's last-second positive COVID test just prior to kickoff of the Ravens-Cowboys Tuesday night to today's news from the governor of the modified stay-at-home order, which does not close schools as it did back in phase one back in the spring, and they went to all virtual learning statewide. There was no flexibility from the localities. 
the flexibility for the localities to make those decisions still given to them by the governor, by the Virginia Department of Health. And again, if you missed it earlier, school athletic events, if they are to be held, if they are indoors, they are still 25 persons, and by persons we mean spectators, for indoor events. And of course, winter sports, Technically, they're all indoors, with the exception of, the course, the great polar bear meets uh, indoor track playing outdoors, simply because there's limited indoor track you know, options in the area, although that's going to change in the years to come. Um, and the governor's saying again that, you know, if you can play some basketball games outside and it mitigate things on a nice day, then, then please, by all means, do that and see if that will help. Whatever outdoor events happen, two spectators per participant. So mom and dad can come watch, or mom and grandpa can come watch, or mom and aunt can come watch. But again, if you go and you watch, you got to have a mask on. Masks now mandatory outdoors if you cannot social distance. So if you can't stay six feet away from everybody, you got to have a mask on. Okay? Uh, all of this available on our Twitter feed right now at the RBA Sports Net, and we will do our regular podcast over the weekend with updates on what is going on. Uh, we've got National Signing Day for football, the early three-day window opening up beginning on Wednesday, the 16th. That's 16, 17, 18. We'll see who puts pen to paper uh, for the class of 2021. And as soon as we get a decision on what Hanover will do, as soon as we know for sure that Chesterfield has said, yeah, we're okay right now with practices and stuff, we're on with the season when it starts, uh, we'll keep you posted, obviously, on social media and as well right here on In the Red Zone, which, of course, again, you can listen to on uh, Spotify, you can listen to on Amazon Music, you obviously can get it on our websites, both rbasportsnetwork.com and hanovercountysports.net, um, as well as on the Podbean app. We are at Podbean. That's our uh, podcast host. And if you have the Podbean app, just search in the red zone, and we'll be there. And we're going to be adding some more podcast platforms. We're in the process of making that happen here in the next few weeks. So another edition, a more full edition of the podcast coming up. This weekend and in that podcast, we'll talk a little bit about what we are thinking uh, with our uh, spring football coverage issues now that Randolph-Macon has decided to play most of their games on Fridays, which, of course, high school football is happening also on Fridays. And with the ending of our 18-year relationship with 1029 The Mater and our new relationship with, with, with uh, Rejoice 101.3, and 9.90 a.m. will give you an idea of what we're thinking as best as we know at this particular point. That all, of course, being subject to change, but that will be in the future edition of In the Red Zone coming up over the weekend. Please stay safe, everybody. Stay with us on Twitter at the RBA Sportsnet and our hyper-local coverage. You can't find anywhere else at Hanover Sports, at Henrico Sports, and at Chesterfield Sports, found at the letter C Field Sports. And we'll keep you updated with everything you need to know as 2020, of course, is going to act all 2020 as we get into the final few weeks. Please be safe, everybody. Want to have you around for a very, very, very long time to come. Rob Witham, thanking you so much for being a part of this edition of In the Red Zone, back with another edition over the weekend.